For Beyond Profit, a podcast of the ANA Center for Brand Purpose, I'm Ken Beaulieu. As more organizations put purpose first, breaking through with key stakeholders has become a challenging proposition. Having a strategy that embeds purpose into the business operation and culture is only part of the equation. It also requires passion, leadership, and widespread employee involvement, in addition to a robust activation plan. Two organizations that are leaning into their purpose successfully to drive awareness and growth are Together for Safer Roads, a global coalition that helps people, businesses, and communities foster road safety, and Givelify, the leading platform for nonprofits and churches to collect donations online. Joining me to share their remarkable stories of purpose and growth are Kat Krieger, Senior Director of Marcom and Membership at Together for Safer Roads, and Wale Mafolashire, Founder and CEO at Givelify. Kat, Wale, welcome to Beyond Profit. Thank you. Glad to be here. I would also like to introduce my co-host for today's conversation, Lana McGilvray, CEO and founder of Purpose Worldwide, a marketing strategy and public relations services agency that helps clients discover and activate their purpose. Lana, welcome. Thank you, Ken. I'm so glad to be here today. Oh, so happy to have all of you. I appreciate your time. So Kat, I'd like to start with you. Road crashes are one of the leading causes of death and injuries worldwide. I'm hoping you can share some of the data with our listeners and talk a bit about how the work you do to unite public and private partners helps to amplify TSR's purpose and mission. Yeah, Ken, that's a great question. I mean, we all know roads are, can be dangerous, but we don't talk about the real statistics enough. I think right now road crashes kill approximately 1.4 million people a year. And that's about 50 million people who are seriously injured and not to mention all of the families that are impacted. Think about it this way. Roads are public spaces. Parks are public spaces. Mm -hmm. If 1.4 million people were dying in public parks every year, the world would be outraged. And yet our crash numbers continue to go up. Pat, could you talk a little bit more? I know Together for Safer Roads is connected to the 2030 Agenda for Sustainable Development. Can you talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. Our mission and purpose uh, fits into a few of the SDGs, but road safety in particular is called out in the third goal, which is having the number of global deaths and injuries by 2020, something we failed to do. In fact, the number has increased. We're now into our second decade of action for road safety. Another thing to keep in mind is that the 11th goal includes affordable and sustainable transport systems and inclusive and sustainable urbanization. At TSR, we think about making roads safer for everybody, whether that's cars, trucks, pedestrians, cyclists, anything you can think of. This inherently means we work on community revitalization and transportation equity. In Houston, for example, it's the fourth largest city in the US, but the most dangerous roads. With the third, with three times the number of those being seriously injured or killed than in New York City. That's crazy. So, Kat, you mentioned uh, you weren't able to hit the 2020 goals. I'm just curious what some of the challenges were that, you know, that you perhaps weren't able to overcome. I think that, you know, we all hear victim stories and they Mm -hmm. move us. You know, last week I had a chance to be in Virginia Beach for their distracted driving summit and heard some of those stories personally and, you know, found myself like really, really, really moved. But unfortunately, the stories aren't enough. They really are not changing driver behavior. So I think it's a matter of resources, education. You know, there really isn't a lot of formal education around driving 
driver's ed when you're 14 or 15 really isn't enough. Right. Absolutely. Kat, one thing that you mentioned, I know you've been speaking about the 2030 Agenda for Sustainable Development. You just talked about the Distracted Driving Coalition and the work that you're doing in Houston. I know that you're not doing that work alone, and I know that ANA members are a number of brands. I wondered if you could talk a little bit about how you're bringing together some of the private companies with the communities that you're serving. Yeah, Absolutely. You know, one thing that makes GSR unique is that we are engaging the private sector into our programs. They're lending their expertise, um, helping us develop our programming and curriculum. And, you know, when we went into Houston initially, Republic Services, AT&T, and Anheuser-Busch were right on the ground with us, helping us jumpstart our initiative. Well, I'd like to turn to you now. Nearly one million donors are making donations through Givelify. You've built a level of trust with donors that's the envy of the industry, but the beginning of your journey was far from easy. Where did it all start and what did it take you to get from where you were to where you are today? It's a good question, Lana, and it's uh, very interesting just hearing about the work that Kat's team is doing. It's just one of those things where you hear the stories and you find yourself like inspired to want to be part of the solution. And Kat, I want to officially submit my apology to you because I was that person who showed up at your fundraisers, ate your good food, heard your message. And at the end of the fundraiser, my name did not show up on the list of people who supported the mission. Now, let me give you a sneak peek into what was happening in my mind, right? At that point in time, I didn't know about your mission. I showed up at your fundraising event because I was invited by a friend. And somewhere there, I hear your story and I found myself moved to support you. But what truly happened is nine out of 10 times, I didn't have my checkbook on me. And so I said, you know what, when I get home, I heard that powerful message and I want to support that organization. When I get home, I'll make sure I find a way to get them their gift. And guess what happens when I get home? There's a sports game showing on TV. Something else is happening. Before I know what's going on, life has gotten in the way. And too many times I found myself in that situation that those moments of inspiration of wanting to be part of something bigger and truly making a difference were slipping out of my hands. Not because I wanted to, but just because a lot of the technology options that were put in front of me just made it too easy for me to say, I'll do it later. And then I never got around to it. And that's how we started GiveLoFi. That in those moments of inspiration, when we hear the stories, when we hear people like yourself who are just championing causes that truly, truly matters to make a difference in the world. Can we just act in that moment? And so we decided to go and build an app that makes it so simple, where in less than three taps, literally, I can make that contribution and feel great that, yes, I can't be on the ground championing these causes, but I can empower the folks like Hat who are doing so with my tiny gift. And so that's how we started the company. Now, I often talk about how you know, when you're Wally Mafalashere, it's a Nigerian sounding name, and you have to go convince churches and nonprofits that, hey, you have something that can help them connect with a new generation of people who might want to support them. It's, and you're a new brand, and like, who are you? What's Givelify? I've never heard about it. And then you know, it's like, okay, I know there are these emails we get, and you send us your bank account information, and there's a prize waiting for you. I didn't imagine these guys will actually show up in person, right? It's like, not only are you asking me, <laughs> 
mm-hmm. to trust my organization's bank account information with you, but now you're asking me to uh, trust my donor's credit card's information with you. So yeah, a lot of the question was about trust and how do you bring trust to life in the situation where it's, it's really required. And one of the things that we found is, uh, we're going to talk about brand purpose a little bit here. One of the things we quickly found to be true was the power of a promise. When you make a promise to someone that, hey, here's how you can help them fulfill their mission. Mm -hmm. And by following through on that promise, you cultivate brand ambassadorship. And at Givelify, that was something that we found to be very true as we started talking to places of worship and faith leaders to help them understand how could we help them connect with this new generation of people. And every time we fulfill that promise for them, they became natural ambassadors for the brand. That's so interesting. And how many of those organizations do you serve today? How many organizations are receiving donations through the Givelify platform? Great question, Lana. So when I think about this, this, we have about 55,000 organizations that are receiving donations through Givelify today. But what's interesting is you probably never heard of Givelify, right? And we don't spend a lot of money on advertising or things like that. The 55,000 came from word of mouth. So when you connect the dots between trust and fulfilling on a brand promise, you have people who just talk about how you're able to help them. It's good for business, but what's most powerful for us is we look at these organizations and what they're doing. And it's just an honor of a lifetime to be one of the ways by which they can raise the much needed funds to pursue their missions. So Wally, with all that in mind, how do people that use the app to give gain trust? Where are they finding out how you're rated? Are they going to the app store? How do they find out that they could trust you? Is it through the places where they're donating? Is it through the app itself? How do they discover and learn to trust you? That's a good question. So the way I say this thing is if, imagine if Kat came to you, Lana or Ken and said, hey, you could use this app to give. Chances are you naturally trust that Kat knows what she's talking about. And so the way we've always done this thing is tap into what we call the trusted voices. We make a promise to them and go make sure that we fulfill that promise. And the outcome of that is when you go to the app store and go read the reviews and what people are saying about our products, the given app, almost 80,000, 90,000 people combined on Google Play and the app store have rated Givelify 4.9 stars out of five. Wow. That's very powerful, right? Because these are not you know, you're running review campaigns and you offer Amazon gift cards to people for, in exchange for review. No, this is natural, organic reviews of people who've experienced our giving products and say, this makes it joyful and fulfilling for me. And I can't help but go say something nice about this on the App Store and Google Play. That's pretty amazing, Ken and Kat. I don't know how familiar you are with ratings on the App Store, but 4.9 is about as good as it gets. I would venture to say that your average company would be lucky to be up in, you know, 2.7, 2.9, 4.9 is sensational. Right. It really is sensational. Congratulations, Wale. Thank you, Ken and Lana. So so I want to follow up. You you have a brand relaunch underway right now that's, uh, you know, purpose-driven at its core. Can you talk about how purpose is going to drive the future of your business? Yeah, just a little background story as I get to that answer. When I started the company, I was you know, just an engineer. I wanted to build an app to solve my own 
every time I felt bad about not being able to follow through with the gift and that was it. And so it's like, well, let me build this app. It solves this problem for me. If someone uses it, great. If it doesn't, I feel better about myself. Introduced it to my pastor. He started seeing great experiencing results with it. And so he started telling all of his other friends about it. And so at that point in time, it's like, yeah, I got to give the app a name, give it simplified. Okay, great. Givelify. It needs a logo. Uh, let's just draw a G and a fancy I and Givelify and that's what it is. In its colors, 15 minutes later, we have colors, right? No thoughtful approach to this thing. So it's just, we need 30 minutes later, we have a solution. Over the years, I've had the great pleasure of meeting some really good marketers who've just really challenged me to think about, Wally, your product has goodwill in the community. How do you embrace that and use that to define yourself? And I come to find out that it's called something that comes to life through what you call the brand. And in my several years of coming to appreciate what the brand means, I would argue that beyond the logo, beyond the colors, beyond the look and feel, the single most important thing for a brand is a clear definition and appreciation for its purpose. And this is something I came to appreciate from taking some leadership classes at the Disney Institute. Mm -hmm. Yes, you got to have a great vision. And yes, you got to understand what your mission is. But one of the things that I think Disney has done very well with almost 15,000, 20,000 employees they have is there's one thing every employee knows by heart. And that's the purpose of of Disney, which is Mm. we create happiness. And once you have that defined, everything flows through that. And Mm -hmm. so for us, as we think about this new rebrand, it's about owning what we already are, crafting it, defining it, and offering clarity as we introduce ourselves to the marketplace that, look, we are powering a feel-good movement of people who want to do more good and empowering their good intentions into good deeds. I think that's so interesting, actually, when you're starting to talk about how purpose is infused um, throughout that branding process. And one thing you keep saying a, a word is community. And I know, you know, from my perspective, great brands really create that sense of belonging. So I think it's really interesting how you're working today to make sure that the brand reflects that community and creates that sense of belonging. Through our research and all the things that we've done in trying to appreciate what makes people get up in the morning and say, I want to go tackle this problem. And what makes us hear Kat's story and say, you know what, we want to get behind what you're doing and support you in every way we can. And one thing we honed in on is in eight to every one of us, it's in you, Ken, it's in you, Kat, we know that, it's in you, Lana, it's the desire to do good. Now, things get in the way. We got to do this podcast, we got to take care of our family, things get in the way, there's no doubt, but that doesn't eliminate the fact that, that those good intentions are there. The question is, how effortless can we make it to turn them into actual good, good deeds? And so if you think about innate to every human being is that desire, right? If we harness it together, what could a most perfect world look like? And that's where the sense of community starts to play into this, right? Together, there's a whole lot more we could do. And if we could just harness those good intentions in us, man, it would be a most perfect world. And I envision that someday. Right. Speaking of wanting to have a perfect world, I'm going to turn back to Kat now. You have lofty goals, as you said, you know, the the goals that you need to hit by 2030. So from a marketing communication standpoint, talk about how you're raising awareness of what your organization is doing, and then maybe talk about some of the channels that have been particularly effective for you. Absolutely. You know, marketing TSR can be challenging. We often find road safety gets lost in the conversation about sustainability which of course is critical, but we found that 
like I mentioned earlier, victim stories just don't change behavior as much as we wish they would. So from a strategic perspective, we're leveraging the PESO model, and we always look for mutually beneficial ways to get paid media as in-kind investment from our partners. For example, we work with iHeartMedia to do PSAs in communities where we're actively working, such as Houston and Nashville. I mentioned differentiating ourselves from sustainability, but one area I think we make a real difference is in the critical issue of diversity, equity, and inclusion. Part of road safety is providing equitable transportation so that everyone in every community has access, which helps people get out of food deserts and commute easier. It makes it possible for people to walk safely down the street and give patronage to local shops this is exactly what our Gulfton project, which is an area in Houston, that's what it was all about. Can you talk a little bit about the DEI efforts at Together for Safer Roads? I mean, I would assume that's a big part of, of your organization. Yeah. So let me talk a little bit more, more about Houston and what we did there. You know, went into this community and Gulfton has a medium income that hovers around 23000 a year. 50% of the population is below the poverty line. So we went in, we partnered with local high schools, I love this part, to have students survey the community about their transportation challenges and what they desired to be changed about their roads. We ran proactive data analysis. I can talk about more about that in a bit. Mm -hmm. We took this, all of this combined information, worked with community partners, and engaged an engineering firm to imagine what things could look like. We helped secure $4 million of funding and broke ground this spring. I wish all the listeners could see what we've done. Construction mm -hmm. is, you know, still underway and slated to finish this fall, but think brightly colored separate bike and pedestrian lanes, bigger signage, wider sidewalks so folks can actually shop on foot, a ton of greenery, better access to public transportation as well. It, I don't know, it truly makes me so excited. Mm -hmm. I can certainly see that it comes across. <laughs> so organizations like yours are built on purpose. That's just the nature of an organization like yours. So how difficult it is it to prevent your organization from straying from that purpose? I would say that, you know, there are so many ways to fix road safety. And we always have to remember that we can't do everything. Right. Um, and, you know, and try to stick with our core programming, which is around engaging companies and their fleets and working with cities on their vision zero policies and, you know, playing in the innovation space as to how we can help these, you know, sort of two other areas. We can't do everything, but uh, sure. we certainly try. I think that might lead to my next question really is around, you're talking about some of these infrastructural changes that you're partnering with folks like AB and Bev and some of the communities, certainly out in Houston. Um, I think it's Mayor Turner out there, one of our famous mayors <laughs> in recent times. But what about data too? As you're making some of these decisions, I know you've got, I think it's the Near Miss Initiative. Can you talk a little bit about how data kind of connects to purpose in your brand? Yeah, absolutely. This is super cool. Started working on this Near Miss analysis. So we take traffic cameras that tend to already be in place. We grab that video and run it through AI and machine learning and determine where crashes almost happen. These videos, like they are incredible and horrifying to see, but you know, you see someone crossing the street and it's there in within a millisecond of being seriously injured or God forbid worse. 
and they keep walking, going about their day. So with this near miss analysis, we're able to gather years worth of data in a number of days. Traditionally, traffic safety data is past looking. The data is at least five or 10 years old. And here with near miss, we're identifying problem areas before they happen. Is it poor signage, lighting, a mistimed traffic light maybe? It allows communities to proactively fix before tragedy. Honestly, I think it's a game changer. Thanks, Kat. Wally, going back to Givelify and your use of influencers, you call that program Trusted Voices, from what I understand. Can you talk a little bit more about you and perhaps the marketing team are doing with that Trusted Voices initiative? Great question, Lana, but uh, if you don't mind, I just want to chime in on some of the comments that Kat made over there. And, and first of all, just super impressed by the near misses program that you guys are talking about. Mm. As a data-driven organization, one of the things we also talk about is how do you eliminate the concept of survivor buyers in your data analysis? Because right, oftentimes we get to see the data from the worst case scenario. So you look at the deaths and things like that and the, and the fatalities, but what does the story what what story does the survivors tell you i really appreciate the way you guys are looking at that from the near misses because there's a lot there's often a lot of gem in that as well so kudos to you and the team uh, one of the other, your question is not lost on me i'm going to talk about that short but one of the other things that ken talked about was how do you keep purpose alive in a brand and one of the things that we've done at givelify to do that is you think about the concept of core values Again, going back to some of the things that I learned at the Disney Institute, is think they reframe that as what they call the four keys. And what they emphasize in that situation, which we've embraced at Givelify as well, is those four keys, they have priorities in terms of how much weight they carry. So your first key is often your non-negotiable. And for us at Givelify, that non-negotiable is integrity. It's no starter. Any decision we want to make, anything we want to do, whether it's from the CEO to the newest hire, we have to ask ourselves that question. Does this check the box on integrity? It's a non-negotiable. It's not even a conversation mm -hmm. starter. And even myself as a CEO, sometimes I find myself like, yeah, I want to do that because I think I could get a win there. But I have to ask myself the question, does this check the box on integrity? If it doesn't, we're not doing it, period. And then the second key is if you check the box on integrity, the next thing you want then ask yourself is where's the heart in what I'm doing? So as a business, where we're for-profit business, oftentimes we have to think about how do we make sure that we're making good business decisions? But we always have to ask ourselves the question, where's the heart in this? And then the next thing is if we could do that, can we go the extra mile to just keep things simple? So there's the famous quote of, uh, I did not have enough time to write you a short letter. So I wrote you a long one. Mm -hmm. Understanding that it takes a lot more intention and effort to keep things simple. Mm -hmm. and if you could do that, can you just stretch yourself a little more to get to a place of wow? But it won't be as hard. And so just defining those four keys and setting the priorities like, hey, if you made a decision that you could justify that it did not have a wow on it because of integrity, Everybody at Givelify can understand that. And you can come to the table and say, here's why I made that decision. And so giving that priority order to how you define your core values, which we call four keys at Givelify, I think is one of the ways that we've been intentional about bringing our purpose to life and making sure it propagates 
throughout the company. Now, Lana, back to your question. You asked about the trusted voice. And if you had asked me this question seven years ago, I wouldn't have used the word influencer marketing because I had no clue what that meant. It's just an engineer who's trying to get people like Kat to appreciate that there are people like Wally who could use a product like this to give to them. But it's literally, again, it goes back to the brand. You make a promise to somebody who you know has a circle of influence. And for us very early on, we realized that faith leaders had this circle of influence. And so we called them trusted voices. And so instead of Wally with his Nigerian sounding name, trying to persuade people to input their credit cards into this app, the trusted voice did that for us. But before you could get the trusted voice to do that for you, you have to be clear on what your promise is, the brand promise to the trusted voice. And you have to do whatever it takes to keep that promise. Because when that happens, the trusted voice has no problems evangelizing mm -hmm. your brand on your behalf for you. Well, I guess you gave back to those trusted voices too, because I was looking at the numbers. How much giving has Givelify powered over the years? Good question, Lana. So recently, the Inc. 5000 recognized Givelify as one of America's fastest growing companies. And while that recognition itself was an honor, all I could think about was the million people who've given nearly $3 billion on our platform. $3 billion? Right? Three, $3 billion, nearly $3 billion on our platform. Mm -hmm. And that recognition is to each and every one of them. It's to mm -hmm. their good intentions. It's to the difference they are hoping those dollars would make. And it's to these are giving partners, the organizations who are putting that money into good use in the community. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's a lot of generosity. Well, it strikes me too. We just, we're still at the tail end. Of, I hope the tail end, maybe not, but if this pandemic, did that affect your business? It's a good question, uh, Lana, because I, we can all relate to March of 2020. We weren't quite sure where things were going, a lot of uncertainty. And as a business owner myself, I, I found myself there. What's going to happen? What's next? We worked with a lot of uh, places of worship who, you know, the concept of the offering plate was the only way they fundraised. And all of a sudden, we have this shelter at home orders, we're trying to figure out what's going to happen next. But man, what I saw next just blew my mind. I got a true appreciation for what generosity in America looks like. That in the face of unprecedented uncertainty, Americans responded with the kind of generosity we will have never imagined. And one example that comes to my mind, I remember a very particular Wednesday. So we have these AI-driven fraud algorithms that just make sure that, yes, place where good people come to do more good, mm -hmm. but we know there are some bad people there too who are coming to do more bad. And so we have these fraud algorithms that tries to make sure we stay on top of them and we're able to keep them out so that we can maintain the integrity of our platforms. And so our fraud system started just going off. We looked at it and it's like, hey, it's noticing this pattern of $120 in a pattern that he had never seen before. And so we started to dig into the data to see what was going on. Come to figure out people who are just receiving their government uh, subsidy checks for 1200 and they were given 10% of that back to these organizations. And our AI system had never seen that kind of pattern on a Wednesday before. So it starts throwing all these alerts, but come to find out it's just good people doing more good. And I tell people that the pandemic was one of those times that helped. As a business, sometimes we often find ourselves chasing all these KPIs and metrics, but the pandemic helped us go back to the core of our purpose and appreciating that in times like this, there was a lot of good that came out of it. 
Well, I have the same question for Kat. How did the pandemic affect crashes? How did it affect your organization? Yeah, absolutely. You know, on the negative side, unfortunately, crashes went up in 2020 significantly. I think Mm -hmm. something like 30 or 40%. So it was pretty big. We had fewer cars on the road since more people were staying home, but the cars that were on the road were driving distractedly, driving too fast. And it was a bit of a setback in 2020. Um, I want to go back to Wally very quickly. You had a conversation with me and Lana a couple of days ago, and you mentioned that to bring purpose to life, it takes a chain of excellence. And you said it starts with leadership, then employees, and then finally to the quality of your products and services. Can you just talk a little bit about why that process has worked so well? Very interesting. Good question, Ken. I dare say it probably even starts with the brand purpose. So you have to identify what your purpose is and then what your promise is to the community. Right. Once those two things are identified, and you have to put in place programs that help the leaders of the organization bring that to life. Right. So that's what we call the leadership excellence. So they are the ultimate custodians and ambassador of the brand purpose. So the next thing there is what we call engaged workplace. So if the leaders are leaving the brand purpose and the brand promise, it's easier for them to bring that to life through the people who report to them. And you'll Mm -hmm. notice at no point in time have we talked about our app in this chain yet, because we believe once you check the box on those three things first, your brand purpose and promise, your leadership excellence, engaged workplace, naturally your products and your services will bring a level of excellence to them. And when all those things fall in place, you have a community that goes out there and leaves 4.9 out of five stars for you on the app store. You have 55,000 organizations counting on you to connect with more of them. And more importantly, you're able to contribute another $3 billion to a very generous American economy already. Wale, you hit on the American economy and $3 billion in giving goes through your app. What does your community look like? Where is this money coming from? Is this coming from big cities? Is this coming from affluent populations? What can you tell us about that? Good question, Lana. One of the things that Givelify has helped me appreciate is the how do we think about philanthropy? So if we think about the traditional definition of the philanthropists, and you might think about the Bill Gates who are doing amazing work with their wealth. But what we see at Givelify is a philanthropist looks nothing like Bill Gates. They don't earn anything like Bill Gates. And what we're seeing on Givelify is a lot of communities, mostly Black and Latino, that have been left out of philanthropic conversations are using platforms like ours to show how truly generous they can be. And so we see them across the spectrum. If if you go on givelify.com right now, we have a live ticker there of donations that are coming in. And you can literally see what philanthropy looks like by the minute on Givelify. You can look at the names and you can make some deductions about what the origins of these people is. You can look at the size of the gift and it will probably challenge our definition of a philanthropist. That whether it's $5 or whether it's $1,000, every act of generosity counts. And we're seeing this a lot from a lot of communities that are not represented in the philanthropic data today, black and brown communities. So Kat, Wally had mentioned getting to this place of wow. I love that. And so when you look at the impact that your organization has had on the world, I mean, do you say to yourself like, wow, does that come across loud and clear to you? Yeah, I think where the wow really comes for me is just how involved we get into every community. 
we consider ourselves a group of stubborn optimists. You know, it's a huge, huge problem. And yet we're really optimistic that we'll get there. To touch on a statistic I didn't mention earlier, road crashes are the number one killer of those age five to 29. And as a mom, that just like hits me right in the gut. So that's what brings like my passion and desire for wow every single day. Mm-hmm. You know, we're absolutely dedicated to achieving vision zero in every community. That is our guiding star mm-hmm. always. Mm-hmm. And it's a monumental task. Absolutely. Kat, that dream you painted of Gulfton in Houston was particularly meaning for me and vivid. I live in Austin and oftentimes around the times of the hurricanes or dire weather situations in Houston, we end up taking in a lot of animals and people that come here and we see these pictures of unsafe roads, underwater, people trapped and unable to get out. So the picture that you painted of these safer roads and the ability for people just to really move around safely in their own communities was just so vivid and inspiring. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I think everything that we're doing at at Together for Safer Roads, whether it's looking for new technology or new ways of thinking or partnering to get at the problem, you know, we try to look at as many angles as possible, whether that's near miss or perhaps imagining what a delivery truck or a freight truck of the future could look like. And, you know, to be selfish, we are talking about public-private partnerships. We have a lot of those with ANA members like Anheuser-Busch, AT&T, UPS, and PepsiCo. You know, if there are any other ANA members or other brands out there that would love to help us work on road safety, work deeply in communities, you know, reach out. It's togetherforsaferroads.org or you can email me directly, which is cat at the same address. I really want to get more folks involved in our work. Can you just talk about how purpose is going to guide your organization moving forward? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mentioned Vision Zero. That is making sure that no one gets killed or seriously injured. We dream of a world where roads are safer for everybody. That continues to drive our work. It continues to refine our programming. You know, we listen to the communities we're in. We pay attention to new technology. And we look to solve problems that perhaps haven't been touched before, all to get at this purpose of making a world safer for everybody. You said the world, so it makes, you're not just U.S. space then, is that correct? Yeah, we are a small but mighty global organization. We've just started a program in New York City, Guadalajara, El Paso, to put new technology and cameras on freight vehicles. It puts a human lens towards cameras. So the AI algorithm in these cameras try to predict human behavior, who's going to cross the street, when they're going to do it, who might make an unexpected turn or move in order to prevent crashes. It's some really cool stuff. So we just sent, a lot of us just sent our kids back to school again. It's the fall. How does the U.S. stack up in terms of road safety um, from a global perspective? Not great. From a first world perspective, the U.S. is one of the worst countries for road safety. And that has to change. You know, of course, there are extreme road safety problems in second or third world countries, but this is right in our backyard. And Mm -hmm. I think it's shameful. So Wale, I want to end. There is a message on your website that I just love. And it says, when you have passion and a purpose and are relentless in sharing it, good things happen. 
And so is that your message to other brands, especially those that are probably new on their purpose journey? And I think just hearing what Kat said a few minutes ago, right? Stubborn optimism. It's the same thing we're talking about, relentless passion. And the fuel for that is your purpose. You can be optimistic, but if you don't understand what your purpose is, you can't be stubbornly optimistic. You can be passionate. If you don't understand what the purpose is, you can be relentlessly passionate. And I think the purpose is the single most important thing that adds that extra fuel to whatever moves you and motivates you. And arguably, it's the most important thing. But also, one of the things, Ken, that I get asked a lot is, Wally, how are you guys able to do this without venture capital funding? And back in the days, I tell people this when I used to pitch investors and they used to say no to us. I remember my pitch deck would have a slide where it has this thing where you say you put, I don't know if marketers probably know that slide. You put your brand, you put check boxes next to it. You put competitor Y, you put X next to all of the things. And I remember like, I'm making this slide, but meanwhile, you look at these brands that I'm putting next to our ours and you look at what's going on in the app store, very well funded. They had times five the number of employees we have, and yet we were outpacing them. And I started asking myself that question, how is this possible? You're not as funded, they have more people, but you're outpacing them. What I quickly realized is that what we had at Givelify was passion, right? The people at Givelify were truly inspired by the mission that we're pursuing. And when I peeled the layers under that also, what I quickly recognized that we were able to unlock innovation in places we least expected. And the reason for that was because we had a whole bunch of diverse perspectives on our team. Mm -hmm. People from different places, different faiths, different backgrounds, different life experiences. And so they always helped us think about things, solutions to problems in ways we could have never imagined. And that's how we're able to out-innovate. And so you asked a question earlier about DEI initiatives. And I would argue this, that for GiveLify, it's the single most kept secret to our success. It's a secret to your success. Why are you keeping it a secret? Because it took me a while to figure that out. <laughs> I wonder if I would call it a, a secret. In some ways, I was actually out to dinner the other day with a, a VC. And one thing that she was talking about that she looks for in companies, two things actually that strike me, givelify. One of them was a thing that she called a network effect, the ability for your business to kind of self-perpetuate based on what things happen in that network. So your evangelist or the folks that are actually evangelizing your business for no cost to you, the things that we would pay a pretty penny for in the marketing world, if you would. I think you have that network effect. And then the other thing she talked about was an unfair advantage. And so I think what you're talking about is this innate diversity of your team that reflects the community around that and you can't make that up. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you can try and attract right. those people, but without that stubborn optimism or relentless passion at the core and really being purpose-driven, I don't know in a world in which there's less than one person for each job available today, how you would do that. So it seems like an extreme advantage to me and kudos for getting there. Thank you, Lana. Well, Lana, Kat, well, I want to thank you so much for your time today. It was a great conversation. I appreciate it and wish you both the best of luck. Thank you for having us, Ken. Truly enjoyed the conversation. And Kat, keep up the great work. I could go to bed at night knowing there's somebody like there keeping the roads safe. So when my kids are old enough to drive, I could feel a little bit better about that. Thank you, everyone. Thank and you, Lana, Ken. we'll have you on again as a co-host. I appreciate your time. Thanks, Ken. It's always a pleasure. 
To learn more about Together for Safer Roads, please visit togetherforsaferroads.org. For more information on GiveLify, can be found at givelify.com. That's G-I-V-L-I-F-Y.com. And to check out Lana's great agency, Purpose Worldwide, you can do that at purposenorthamerica.com. Until next time, thanks for listening.